I'm Lance Wakefield. This is the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast, and I'm here with Julio Ferrari. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Thank for, you for having me. me. Absolutely. Um, I'm thrilled about this today. Julio is fascinating. He has a life unlike one most anyone else I've ever heard of has lived. So uh, we're going to dive into that and some of the things that he's done and some of the battles he's fought and some of the demons he's conquered. Um, it's amazing, and I'm very excited. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. So uh, it's going to be a good one today. So um, if you could just kind of Start us out with a little basic, you know, overview. You gave me a summary of uh, born in Brazil, right? Or yep, yep. I was uh, born in Brazil. My dad uh, went to UCLA. So at one, we moved over here. And uh, after he finished his master's degree, we went back to Brazil. Uh, and over there, I was almost immediately, I, I started going into cults. My, my mother would, was very spiritistic. Uh, you know, she believed in a, a religion called Cardixism. That only exists in Brazil. It's uh, it's almost like a, a the uh, Tom Cruise's uh, what's it called uh, the Scientology. Scientology, almost like Scientology, but with a a lot of talking to the dead, a lot of but the, the, the one of the ways it's it's uh, similar to Scientology is very high end people, mm. famous people. In my cult, in the cult that I was part of, uh, I there were the governors, the the senators, uh, judges, uh, actors. I mean, it was a ten thousand person cult. Wow! And uh, it was you know, and it was growing and expanding every year. And this was this was only in Brazil. This cult is only in Brazil. Uh, mm -hmm. They have the specific one that I was a part of because there are a lot that are are very similar. It's like the Pentecostal churches. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a franchise, you know. Yeah. And uh, so they uh, they only grew in Brazil. Uh, they were uh, it, they, it started in France, but the guy who started it in France, uh, after he died, his wife and his son were both indicted for fraud. Wow. So they shut it down. It was the, called the, the Court of the Spirits, which shut down all the seance houses and all of that uh, circa 1894. And uh, then the next year, they used that jurisprudence from France here in the United States to forbid all the seances because they saw it was all bullcrap. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, but in Brazil, for some reason, it, it exploded. And it became, uh, there's no one Vatican, for example, over it. You know, yeah. there's not one presidency. Everybody who wants to open one can. And that's the, the, the danger of it is, you know, predators. You know, no, no priest becomes a pedophile. Pedophiles become priests. <laughs> Think that one a little bit. Yeah. So, but they also become pastors. Mm -hmm. They become uh, doctors. And sad enough, they become fathers. Mm -hmm. And I've I've interviewed for I've got a book that I'm translating to English now called the first three hundred. It's the first three hundred victims of serial sexual predators that I've interviewed. Wow. And uh, uh, some of and and intense trauma. Some of them, they I mean, the, it can't get worse. Your father. You know. When no. you're abused by your father, absolutely, I don't not. think that it gets any worse than that. I mean, he's supposed to be your ultimate protector. Yeah, and and uh, the interesting thing that I my my most interesting uh, uh, conclusion after doing these 300 interviews, and it took some, it took me five years, um, they more than half of them are healed. Wow, that's great. It is. I mean, that's and, I and I'd never guessed that. Many. Yeah, no, and and they all have stuff in common. Like, for example, going to therapy. Yeah, I did. A lot of therapy. 
Mm-hmm. And and it gets it, it, it's not because I was effed up. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs it. Yeah. Everybody needs it. So because we're not taught in school how to think. We're not taught how to process. How to feel. How to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, we're not taught by our parents how to do that. So then when I realized I could let go of all of this, I was like, ah, mm-hmm. okay. And a lot of them use psychedelics for trauma healing. Yeah. A lot. More than I would ever have expected. From DMT, ayahuasca, uh, uh, LSD, uh, uh, MDMA, psilocybin. You know, those are, or iboga. Those are the six mo- uh, biggest ones that, mm-hmm. I, that I interviewed people on. Granted, most of my interviews were in Brazil where, you know, it's very common. Ayahuasca is yeah. from there. Mm-hmm. So, but the amount of people that healed the, and the, the more, you know, the ones that went that route healed so much better yeah, and so much faster and became completely other people. So there's something to say about that. Absolutely. I know that there are movements in America to bring those, those medicines to the general population and no longer hold them as schedule one substances yeah. that are illegal. So hopefully that progresses because I've heard a lot of information about that that would yep. support exactly what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. So one question about the cult in Brazil, does it still exist? It, it, it had 10,000 people. Now it has about 300. Okay. So it's mostly it, gone. It mostly gone. Uh, it kind of divided and split. And then my abuser died two weeks before he got sentenced. Oh. So that already crashed the, mm-hmm. the cult. Yeah. There was no second leader. No, he was the leader of the he cult. He was the leader. He was the, the, leader the guy and who the started. Abuser. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, he, he took advantage. All of the guys that got, got abused... Every single one of them didn't have a father or had a negligent father. Uh, my father, he was he was always working. He was a good dad, but he wasn't there. Yeah, you know, and he was an alcoholic. So a lot of times there was you know mo- mom and dad separating and all that mm. stuff. And my mother always threw him under the bus. Today, looking back, I, I saw that she was the problem. Yes, you know, so it I- it became something where we we today we we have a great relationship, but. Fathers are important. Yeah. No, I've heard actually that, and and I'm this is more of a question, uh-huh. something I've heard, and I'm curious on your perspective on it, is that when uh, someone who is a predator is looking for a, a victim, they're, they're always going to shy away from a victim who has a strong father in yes. the household. Yes. They're always going to go for an easier target yes. than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's like... Every, pre- every predator... Even if you're going out hunting, you know you're 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 looking for the easier prey. Yeah, and and uh, the it's exactly that way. I, I see that in the Catholic Church, for example, where I have tons of data. I'm being sued by the Catholic Church. Really? Yep. They because they but they can't win ever. They've never won. I've been sued four times. Won every one of them because free speech uh, and, and nothing that I'm saying is a lie. Yeah. You know, everything I stick to look, but I have these witnesses. I have these victims and, uh, I always start by the victim. And, and a lot of times, uh, to your point, it, the mother ends up giving the child to the predator unknowingly. So in the Catholic church, a lot of thing, a lot of ways that, that they get abused is, uh, th- the mother will be in confessionary talking to the priest and saying, I think my son may be gay. I'm concerned. And then the priest says, oh, send him here to the youth group. And that's when they start getting molested. That's terrible. And it's, it's, a, it's a modus operandi. It totally makes sense, though. 
Yeah. Like if I, if, if you like, I've never done this exercise in my life until right now, but if I was looking, if you were going to be a predator, like that is such a perfect end. That's why I, I always say priests don't become pedophiles. Pedophiles okay. become priests. Crazy. And they, and they, they have it like the longer they do it, the easier is their most, the better, better their modus operandi gets. The, the more they, they can groom you faster and, and they start grooming. Sometimes they're not even, uh, they don't like, or they, their kids are not the big thing that they want. Sometimes what they want is a teenager, but they still don't know how to groom the teenager. So they go for the easier kid, mm. which was the case of my case. The, my predator starts off victims 60 years ago were five and seven. I was abused 14 to 17. And after, and I was the last minor. After that, he starts abusing nineteen to twenty-three year olds. Wow! So you were you were a member of this cult. this cult. My mom was his right hand person. So how did? Um, and, and then you were saying beforehand that you were part of this and you eventually escaped. So can you yeah. take me through that and yeah. tell us the story? Tell us Absolutely. relevant parts of that. Um, his he was a very patient groomer, so the abuse started very lightly. He uh, he he would uh, incorporate this spirit, channel this spirit, and and the spirit was a spirit supposedly of a doctor. And uh, he would say, "Hey, look, we, we I cured so many people today here because they would do these fake uh, 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 give them little sugar pills." You know, oh yeah, no, I, you got cancer. Here's a sugar pill. You know, and and uh, that was his what he he did as the spirit. So when he at the end of the night after seeing 150, 300 patients, um, he said uh, he would be spiritually exhausted and he needed to be re-energized, and he needed to re be re-energized by the most powerful mediums. And he said I was the most powerful medium there. You as an individual. Me. So I was the only one who could heal him. And then him speaking as if he were a spirit, he would go and say, well, uh, now I'm going to leave. And uh, when I leave, you're going to need to touch the, the medium in, in his chakras. In his body. In his the body. The medium, which is his body. The, no, the, me yeah, the medium is, is, is the guy. Yeah. The, the abuser. Mm -hmm. But he was he would speak in third, like as if he were a third if, party. Yeah, he was going to leave and his body would still be there. No, no. Mm -hmm. He was speaking as if he was a doctor, a French doctor that has been d dead for, like, think oh, Whoopi Goldberg okay. and Ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like Whoopi, she was talking first as the medium. Mm -hmm. And then later... You know, when Sam comes in, it's Sam talking. Yes. So he would say he was Sam. Yeah. You know, so he made up this story that he was a French doc or a Brazilian doctor that had died a hundred years prior and that he was there to help cure people with spiritual surgeries and, uh, and all that BS. Mm. So he would uh, even prescribe just, you know, these sugar pills or vitamin B and stuff like that. And people thought that they were getting healed. And uh, uh, the and because of all the uh, energy that went out of him to do that, he needed to be healed himself, and he could only be healed by certain people. Mm. And I was one of them. And he said I was the most powerful medium that that there. And I was 15, 14, 15, 16. When you're put down at home, as I was, I had a very abusive grandmother, physically, mentally. Uh, uh, she would throw me against the wall by the hair. Oof. I got beaten up. Mm -hmm. And uh, and 
my my parents were working so much that they didn't see that and they didn't believe when I told them. So I was I was put down every day. She hated me for being a boy. She wanted me to be a girl. And looking back, I can see the signs of her trying to groom me to be gay. Wow. And and uh, uh, to the point where she wouldn't let me cut my hair. And this is back in early 90s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, hairstyles were still a, oh, you you know, it, there was still a stigma. Yeah. Um, unless you were a rocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she she really, she, she would get mad at me for being a boy because then she couldn't put a dress on me. And, and she would tell me that. So, so putting me down, always saying that I was gonna not, get, I wasn't gonna be anything. I, I, and I was undiagnosed. Now, now I'm diagnosed. I, I, I've got Aspergers. Mm. So uh, you take an autistic kid, non-diagnosed, and then you start telling them all these things that they're never gonna amount to anything. That they're they're worthless. That you make the perfect victim. Wow. The perfect bait. So, so the predator knew all of this. My mom had told. Uh, him uh, horrors about my father, many that weren't true, as uh, she made up that my father was sexually abusing my sister. Mm. So I understand what you went through because I went through with my dad thinking for almost 10, for uh, probably six, seven years, believing what my mother had said until I started realizing, wait a minute, no, this is not true. My, My dad never did any of this. My sister herself uh, uh, says that never that never happened. Yeah. So so uh, we you you start uh, when you, when you put the child down at home and you don't build them up, you create the perfect opportunity. Yeah, and then this guy is saying you're so special. Yeah. You're 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 the 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 best at this thing, and I mean, as a child, you're gonna. You're, you're gonna want to do whatever that person says. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, and and I, I thought he was a, like a father to me, yeah. and he was part God. Yeah, he's leading this huge group of people, and they all worshipped him essentially. Yeah, and my mother did too. Yeah, she was his right hand person. Mm-hmm. She didn't know about the abuse, but she didn't believe it when other guys came out. So when I, uh, she didn't believe it when I came out initially, but then Oof. when we, when when she started looking for victims in Brazil, she found so many that were so close to her. She was like, "Oh shoot, this is real." Yeah. And uh, uh, so so um, uh, uh, lost my train of thought here. So he's he he's he's kind of grooming you, and now oh yeah, I, so I'm curious to hear the, how you escape. But yeah, so he's touching your, you're having him so touch I, your. Yeah. Chakra. So he started just at, right here on the chest, mm-hmm. then started going down, and you know how that went. Yeah. And then he started taking his clothes off, and then I had to lay on top of him. I was one of the lucky ones. I I, had, I only had to touch him because having Asperger's and that that put so much that triggered me so much that I started trembling. I would always tremble. So he knew, noticed I was too nervous to go further. Yeah. And and he stopped at a certain point with me. And the way I I, I would go to the car and cry before being called up there because I knew that what was going to happen, and I was very uncomfortable with that. And my mom would come to the car and say, hey, come on, he's calling you. You got to come. And uh, I would, in the, in the car, I would do like a, almost like a prayer. I'd talk to the spirits and say, hey, you guys say that you can hear me from here. You know, if this is all true, give me a sign in there. And I would never get a sign. I would just get more and more abused till the day that I was 17. And I was like, man, this can't be real. And uh, I was uh, uh, sitting right with my back to the door where he was, I could hear him mumbling on the other side and he would bring us into this little, little tiny room, the size of a bathroom. And uh, with just this one, almost like massage table 
kind of thing. And uh, uh, and I I would I was not crying at that point, just completely serene, serious, 17, becoming a man. And I said, you know what? If this is true, get te- give me the sign. Say that you heard me behind the door. And he didn't. And that day, he actually tried to put my 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 face on his uh, uh, on his genitals, mm-hmm. and that's when I said, "Okay, I'm I'm leaving this." And uh, and I had a really big fight with my mom, and uh, left the house, and had to go and live in a in you know rent a room. And I was already working, so I I had my means to to I've always worked since I was 13, so I already had means to pay for my, my, my living. And that's what I did. And, uh, and say it in Brazil, th- that was in Brazil. And mm-hmm. then at 23, I had the opportunity and, and I always hated being there because I would have to drive by the cult, you know, yeah. all the time. Um, and my mom would call me and everything that she talked about was always about the cult. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed that distancing. So I had an opportunity to come to America. I did. And, uh, and then here I, I, I lost a lot in the beginning. I had to reinvent myself. And after, you know, a couple of falls, I'm always trying to reinvent myself. And uh, I did. And that's when I started uh, studying psychology and behavioral analysis and, and went from there. And you said you studied to be an attorney as well. In Brazil, I went to law school for for two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was at that time, I mean, even though I had gone through all of that, I still never left school. I was still trying to pursue my degree, but after a couple of years in law school, I realized that I was not going to change the world by doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the system is too broken in Brazil. So I said, you know what, let's put a pause on this. I'm going to figure something out to be able to save the world. <laughs> yeah. I've spent a fair amount of time in uh, lots of other countries and I will very quickly acknowledge that America is very corrupt. Mm-hmm. However... Okay. Other countries are significantly more corrupt. And so um, Brazil being obviously one oh, yeah. of those. Um, a lot of politicians, presidents, and uh, all sorts end up in jail. And there's lots of problems there. And that's just what they catch. So. The last one was in, in, in jail. This, the, or the, the, the one that's right now, the, the one that's right now was in jail. He went to jail and, and he became president still, which is crazy. And then the last one is about to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Um, yeah, a lot of corruption other places. Yeah. And a lot of Americans don't understand that. They, they think here is so corrupt. And, and while it may be, it's so much better than oh, a lot of other places. Yeah. So you got, to, you got the opportunity to come to America. And where did you come in the States? Uh, directly to Dallas. Okay. So this has been kind of home base in the States 20 for years. you. Yep. Okay, yeah. great. I, when I was a kid, lived in LA. And then I'd, I did a lot of, uh, I worked for a company out of Miami, out of Boca Raton. So I did a year of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the same in, in Vegas, got a lot of the local Vegas experience, love Vegas. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm a world traveler, so there, I love Metroplexes, you know, I love Dallas. Yeah. Great. This is a great spot to travel from too. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, you're in the middle can, of everything. Yeah. You can get to everywhere from here. Um, so you, you came here and then you started studying psychology. Yeah. Yeah. After a few years here, I, I uh, after the market crashed uh, in 08, uh, I was a house flipper. Okay. I was, I touched in 2007, uh, my wife and I touched 74 contracts. Wow. Yeah. We were either buy and hold, buy and flip. Uh, we created a system to, to do comps 
And every single house that we got was was at thirty five percent. Wow, that's off. awesome! It was we did and we did good. And then I had a construction company at that point because it started doing so well. Yeah, and uh, got that's how I got into construction and design. And I have a passion for that too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's a lot of what we do here. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a it's a fun thing. Um, and so you were flipping homes while getting your psychology degree and working. No, through? no, I did behavioral analysis. Okay. Yeah. And so tell me about that. Yeah, behavioral analysis is uh, uh, how to read body language and day to day behavior. So you you look at patterns. Basically, you become a studious of patterns. You see that people only have so many profiles. You know, you meet somebody who say, "Man, this guy's like me." Man, or uh, uh, this this guy feels. Or just, this guy sounds just like my wife. Yeah, you know. So because you see those patterns in people, and that's what you learn how to identify, identify the patterns that you see, and uh, and and be able to then seek uh, future behavior. You can see how they are going to progress in that, and that's one of the things that we we put into the into criminal profiling is. How do we know what the next crime is? You know, where do we find the victims? Uh, because we know the patterns already. We have so much data on human behavior today. And uh, the data just gets better and better, and AI is helping us a lot. So before we started recording, you were telling me about eye movements, hand movements, all these gestures. Yep. And when you were discussing that, that's exactly what came to my mind. Is like, if you've got a camera on somebody and you've got AI connected to that camera, those movements, it's going to pick up and, and be able to put all of those movements into data sheets and figure out yep. very, very accurately who is falling into the profiling that you came up especially, with. Especially the cameras being able to catch the little the little things that we mm -hmm. don't see. Like this muscle, for example, is called the, the AU20. And uh, uh, if the person is asked something like, uh, are you a predator or you know a, a negative question, and they and the AU moves, you, that's that's a big red flag. Um, if they're talking about uh, something that's that they're supposed to do this, no, they go no. Mm. They're they're you know that's it. Those are all little pings, red flags that you can catch. Their voice goes up. Yeah, you know intonation. The like, intonation. Yeah. So if you've got somebody on video for five or 10 minutes with a high quality camera and a good microphone oh my god connected to ai i mean you're going to be able to catch Done. these guys like Done. crazy because i have to watch a video 20 times sometimes yeah sometimes what i'll do is i'll, I'll take a, a dry erase marker and even put a line on and and draw on the the computer screen so i can see if there is a shrug for example mm. because they the, the shrug is not necessarily yeah. a big one Sometimes it's it's a little one, and they maybe have a big jacket on. But but if you see that movement, that is the the ping that you need. And you, now with AI, AI can do all of that. Very nuanced. Oh, very, very nuanced. Very mm. nuanced. That's why it's called facial micro expressions. Mm. Now there are things like, for example, uh, bad actors. Why is a bad actor a bad actor? Well, because they exaggerate the micro expressions. Mm -hmm. They make him macro expressions. Um, they, they will smile too long. A lot of times when you're laughing, for example, for, because you like it or you, or you thought something was funny, you're going to laugh, you're going to smile. 
and and it goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. And then you'll just have a small one. But if the person stays like that for yeah. too long, that, yeah. you know, it's a bad actor. Yeah. It's a bad actor. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, actors study fa- uh, uh, behavioral analysis and and uh, facial micro expressions. Pixar actually uh, has the 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 place I I learned at, which is the Ekman Institute. Uh, the Ek- Ekman Institute also teaches Pixar because so that's how they make everything look Pixar so real. Pixar and Disney, and all yeah, their, yeah, because. They actually do micro expressions, which is is incredible that that this science is being used for entertainment too. Yeah, wow, that's like I know my mind's trying to put all that together because it's a lot of information. <laughs> you think through that, but it's like that is what makes the characters likable, lovable, believable. That's what makes people resonate with those characters is because they're so close to being human, even though we know they're cartoons. It's like they they make the little movements that we make so we can then relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at, when I when I wrote my thesis, um, it, which is called ID Vix, because I identify the, the, the victims first, um, I don't go after conspiracy theories. Oh, you know, these guys are doing this over there. Unless I have a victim in front of me, I, I don't have data. You know, it, uh, everything else is a conspiracy theory. Bring me a victim mm-hmm. because I am one of those. I know that we exist. Yeah. But. We come out, especially now. Mm-hmm. We come out. So bring me a victim before you talk about Pizzagate. You know, there. If that, if it had happened, it, it we would have victims come out. Yes. You know, unless and you can't murder so many kids and like and adrenochrome is BS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just by the way, but the uh, I, I don't like conspiracy theories because it takes away from my work from the truth from yeah. the truth. And I believe actually that a lot of these conspiracy theories, that's my conspiracy theory here is I believe that the, the, the predators, the true predators create those conspiracies to make people waste their time and, and look the other way. Yeah. So, but Epstein, legit, legit, right? What? He like he what he's accused of doing. Oh yeah, did, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh yeah, no. I so thought you were asking if he's legit. I'm no, like, what? No. <laughs> he, he legitimately did the oh, Lunar yeah, Express. Oh, absolutely. And even worse. And yeah. even worse. And even worse. There's there there. And I don't believe he was he was uh, he he committed suicide. I believe yeah. he was murdered. Yeah. I mean, with the people who are going to his island. Yeah. Uh, it would be prudent of them to not have somebody who knows yeah. their information. Yeah, I, I Ready really to go testify in court. <laughs> yeah, for me, that's one of those uh, suicides where the, the guy died of suicide with two shots in, in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> uh, but I, um, I discovered uh, one of my well, my biggest work is John of God. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, yeah, that's isn't that a movie? That was a wait, there's City a Netflix, of God. No, City of God is a movie. Okay, John of God, there's a Netflix uh, uh, miniseries on him. Uh, 3,000 women have come forward. 3,000? 3,000 have come forward. one predator? One predator, 40 years doing it. He saw up to 1,500 people a day. It's the the same modus operandi as my abuser, uh, the same kind of religion. He was made famous uh, internationally by Oprah. Really? Yeah. She went down there to Brazil to interview him to see everything he was doing and, uh, and made a spectacle out of it. And I have victims of John of God here in the United States that will look into the camera and say, I got raped by John of God because I saw it on Oprah. And, wow. and Oprah hasn't said a word about it. She took down the videos. I'm but sure you, you, can, you can find them on, on YouTube. 
Wow. And uh, one of his famous clients, I mean, famous clients that were, I'm sure, had no idea, were like Bono Vox, uh, uh, Naomi Campbell. But J Bill Clinton was also there. So. He gets involved with some people he probably ought not to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that tells you something. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as you're going through this and you're identifying these victims and helping them, I guess my big question is like, can you describe how that feels when you catch a predator? Oh man. You know, it's not even just the catching. It's it's the the gratitude of the victim. Mm. It's them telling you, I I'm healing thanks to you. Yeah, I was gonna say there's gotta be a major healing process. Oh, there look, there. yeah, I, I heal more every day every time I talk to a victim because mm -hmm. and and a lot of times I've I've gotten suicidal victims. And then now they're well and they're calling me and saying, hey, you know, I'm about to get married. I just wanted to thank you. They're thriving. They're, they're thriving. That's amazing. They're thriving. And I, I believe it's, uh, um, well, my this other tattoo says acceptance. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is the fifth uh, uh, step in, in healing and in, in mourning, you know, and uh, everybody goes through those five, which is uh, first you deny, it's denial. Then you go into bartering. Then you go into anger, depression, and acceptance. I believe there's actually a sixth one that nobody thought about before. Gratitude. True. When you are grateful for what you went through, doesn't mean I have to like having been abused. No, mm -hmm. just means that I'm grateful for having gone through those things because that is what made me the man I am today. And if I love, if I have self-love, if I love the man I am today, I have to be grateful for everything that built this man. You, you can't love a house and hate one brick. Mm -hmm. it, it's part of the, I mean, it's, it's full circle healing. Once yeah. you're grateful for it, you've, you've accepted that it's happened and you're grateful that it happened because without it, you wouldn't be the man you are today. Yeah. yeah. One day I was Makes looking sense. at my house and a brick house like everything here in Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I noticed that there were different brick colors. Some were more closer to black, some white, some red, some pink. And uh, and I always liked the color of my house because it was a little different than all those red bricks. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, I looked at it and I thought about all my traumas. And like the black trauma was the 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 sex abuse. The red uh, one, the red brick was the uh, uh, was the the physical abuse. And I looked at all those things, different things. But then I looked at the whole house and said, I gotta love this house. And you can't love the house and and hate one brick of yeah. it. You gotta love all the bricks. Everything that's happened. It's... Everything. So that's that's gratitude. And then I developed a a a mindset that we need three P's to be happy in life, truly happy. We need purpose, passions, and people. We need purpose to get up in the morning, passions to get us through the days, and people to remind us of our purpose and to share our passions with. And, and once you have those three Ps, it changes your life. The lack of purpose is what I see a lot of people uh, uh, suffering for. Mm. They, they're, they're, they're in the rat race. Yeah. They're working every day. They're, they're getting money, but their purpose in life cannot be money. Because mm -hmm. when you die, guess what? Coffins don't have drawers. Mm -hmm. You're not going to take it with you. 
So you have to seek first personal prosperity. Yes. You know, what is, what is prosperity anyways? Is it having a lot of money or is it being content and, 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 and being grateful for what you have pursuing other goals? I'm not saying, Hey, no, you got to be poor. No, I have goals. I'm not there yet. I want to have a Tesla. Mm-hmm. I don't like driving, so <laughs> I I don't care about a Ferrari. If mm-hmm. you tell me, I just want something that drives itself. Yes, <clears throat> and uh, I, the 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 passions are something else that people forget, or they focus in the wrong passions. So the, the passions have to be, you know, music, art, food, culture. Those are all my passions. Mm-hmm. So I started pursuing them. I, I was becoming a really dark guy with the investigations I was doing. For sure. And, I, and I mean, listening to, to victims every day, all day. And then the, the, thing, the only thing that what really ir- irritates me is the lack of a, a system. The system's broken. Oh, yeah. The system is so broken. I mean, it takes me years to bring a predator down. An average four years. I, we'll get them indicted within six months of work. But then, good Lord, it's three, four years of courts. Yeah. And, and, and they're, meanwhile, they're still there. They're out and they're still able to abuse others. Yeah. It's terrible. And, 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 and live normal lives while the victims aren't. So, and... So this kind of this links back to your purpose, right? Oh yeah. And so, how did you uncover your own purpose? Um, it was a very good question, and this is a a, a, a deep one. Um, I always loved helping people, but one day I'm telling my kids, and they knew about my my sex abuse. I had told them about it, um, and uh, I always teach them: Look, you got to go. You got to tell people. You got to tell people. You cannot. If anything happens, tell people. And then my son looks at me and says, but daddy, you didn't. And I said, shoot. I really thought, now I have to. Yeah. And that's when I, when I, when I wrote the protocol. And uh, I didn't discover that was my purpose until I started doing it. So um, tell, tell me, well, two things. I want, I want you to tell me about the protocol. But before you do that, one of the things that I feel like is missed, people talk about children a lot, mm-hmm. right? And, um, there's a, there's a lot, there's a huge camp that thinks having kids is terrible. Uh, I have four kids, yeah. so I'm in camp that, uh, kids are great. And what I've learned, one of the things I've learned with children is they're your greatest teacher yeah. because they will hold a better mirror and a clearer mirror up to you than anyone else ever could. From the mouths of babes. <sighs> they will wreck you. Yep. They yep. call you out and they see yep. right through everything. You can't get it past them. Yep. It's crazy. No. And, and if you're a really good parent, you're going to listen to your kids. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my, one of my sons is just like a, he's me, mm-hmm. he's just me. Yeah. And he's, he's my greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. I'll never learn more about myself from anybody but him. That's my daughter. Mm-hmm. I have three, I have two da- two sons and a daughter mm-hmm. and 16, 14 and 11 right now. And she is mini me and, <laughs> and, uh, which is scary sometimes, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> but she, she will, she'll call me out and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. Yep. And, and my kids are all very, very like wise and deep. So we have very deep conversations, but, um, and, and I, I was in depression for 20 years. It took me finding my purpose mm. and finding my, uh, my passions and getting rid of the toxic people really to get out of depression. Well, that's why I brought up because you, you brought up those three things, and if I'm listening right now, and I want those three things in my life, 
the core of that is that that purpose. Oh yeah, the and core so, is the purpose. So how do you discover that purpose? And and I do want to hear about the protocol too because the protocol is fascinating. But um, if you want to finish your purpose story, and we can yeah, the, back the, to the the protocol. the purpose you I believe that um, when you come to this life, you come to this existence, your spiritual self already aligns your purpose, your mission. That's that's already in you. It's in your DNA. Mm-hmm. You're going to know. You need to seek. And, and if you meditate, if you uh, uh, do something like ayahuasca, for example, that's actually how I really realized that what I was doing was my purpose. It was through doing ayahuasca? Yes. Man, I don't want to talk about that, too. That's <laughs> um, did you do ayahuasca in the States? or In the States, legally. Ayahuasca has been uh, uh, ayahuasca has been legalized in the United States uh, the uh, through shamanic roots. through churches yeah, right? through churches yes so there there are churches over here that you can procure or, or shamans mm-hmm. and uh, and you can do it there um, my uncle happened to be from this church in Brazil and uh, he was a, a, a ayahuasca brewmaster. Wow. So he just connected me over here. There was a, a place here in Dallas, so that's where I started doing it. And then I went to a personal shaman, um, which was a lot more personal, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of other uh, uh, experiences that you can have sh- shamanically, yes. uh, like changa, for example, which is a shorter version of ayahuasca utilizing DMT. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a 10-minute journey rather than a four-hour journey. So uh, in ayahuasca, one of the things that's kind of uh, would be uncomfortable sounding is all the purging that goes on. Um, and generally, it's a, it's a process that happens during the night, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't have to go on. You're only going to purge if you're you're having, you know, Whataburger for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, yeah. like if you if you treat your body well, Mm-hmm. If you take care of your body, if you're not stressed, if you're not, you're not ha- going to have anything to purge. Mm. So, so today, if I do it, I'm not going to purge. I, mm-hmm. I purge the first couple times, but after a while, you're, you start identifying what it is. You know, I was middle of, of grabbing a burger. And I'm like, oh, if I eat this, I'm going to purge next Saturday. Mm. So I started eating healthier and exercising. And not allowing my mind to make my adrenal glands work, not getting that that nervous uh, uh, feeling, not projecting things in my mind that made me, you yeah. It, it's it's like the Hulk. <laughs> when Bruce Banner realizes that the only way to control the Hulk is being the Hulk the whole time. Yeah, you know. So you when you you embody your your anger or your but you focus it on your purpose rather than on your body, mm-hmm. then you then you stop having those those things. If you microdose mushrooms, mm-hmm. that'll help. How many people say that they purge on mushrooms? You know, and and uh, it's uh, uh, if they it's if you're not eating correctly, you eat a good diet, you exercise, you start doing meditation, and you stop purging. It's physical, spiritual, yeah. mental, emotional health. Yep. If you have that, then how does that change the ayahuasca experience when you when you have those things and you come into you, it? You learn, then you go deep. Great question. Then you go deeper into your purpose, into your mission, into 
your 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 uh, guides. Mm. Then you start talking to your guides. It's not just you getting talking to yourself anymore and and processing things on your own. Then once you you realize, okay, I've cleared this out. That's when you get access to your guides. So it's like first you have to clear out the problems, the, yep. the blockages. Yep. Once the blockages are removed. Then instead of fighting the blockages during the experience, you're actually able to interact with uh, the guides, the higher power, the higher yeah. energy, the higher you. And, the higher and, and mind you, I started doing this. It was just a scientific and journalistic experience. I did not believe in any of it. Really? None. I was an atheist, atheist, atheist. I preached atheism. And I was, uh, I, I had that little chip in my shoulder with sp spirituality. Yeah, well, yeah, growing up in a cult, and then that, that's essentially your spirituality was the cult, I imagine, and then yep. finding out that that spirituality is is close to demonic. De demonic. Yeah. yeah, as you can demonic, get. Demonic, yeah. Demonic, as you yeah. can get. Sorry, I'm stuttering there. Yeah. But as close to that as you can get, I mean, that's going to help that uh, people lose their religion. Oh, I lost, I lost yeah. all my faith. Yeah. For for a couple of years and and I started doing ayahuasca and then working on myself I didn't I wasn't looking for God I didn't think God existed mm -hmm. I was just looking for the for for healing peace for peace yeah. that inner peace that was it and that was the beauty of it because nobody preached any God to me mm -hmm. it was one day I went to the shaman and uh, we did uh, changa uh, we also did combo uh, uh, combo that one is a perjurer so that one you're always going to purge. Yeah, Cambo is a little. It's a little frog from Brazil, and what they do is the the they make some the Indians uh, the indigenous people they will make some noises. The frog will come to them. They'll scrape. They'll they'll start massaging the frog, scrape this little milk the secretion from their back, and then the frogs like it so much that that they don't want to leave. Mm. You know they they and uh, so it's there's no you know you're not hitting the frog You're not, hurting, yeah, yeah. not hurting frog so uh then what you do is you take a little uh incense uh looking stick and you burn it and then you just put it uh, on your on your skin so it's going to give you a little tiny micro burn mm -hmm. and you take that little peel peel that little uh, uh first dermis out and then you put the frog uh, uh secretion on there and it's a, it's only peptides which science has already studied it it's 80 something peptides fascinating there's no and then you purge and then after after about three minutes of feeling really good then you start purging and uh and then you it, it, it you do it for about 10 15 minutes you take it off immediately stops but you're gonna feel like you're just ran a ma marathon oh yeah take a 30 minute lap nap and you're you feel like a million bucks the next day you feel like you you took a testosterone shot you know really? you're, oh you're you're feeling powerful. That's why uh, Joe Rogan does it so much. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Ro Rogan, What's that called again? Uh, combo. 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 Yeah. Fascinating. And uh, also uh, done here in in the U.S. Is that similar to the toad venom that is no, smoked for completely DMT? Completely different. Okay. Yeah, that one is uh, uh, MOI DMT. Mm. Five MOI. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one is it's similarly uh, harvested. Um, but that one, then you smoke that. Yeah. That's from a toad in the Mexican yeah. desert versus yeah. in Brazilian rainforest. Yeah. But, and I've done it mm -hmm. and it's a completely opposite, uh, uh, reaction to DMT. Uh, 5-MAOI, uh, I, you, you black out, you black out and it feels like it was 
30 seconds, but it was 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. The uh, a DMT, you do it for 20 minutes, it feels like an hour. Um, and uh, the uh, I had to film myself doing it because I wanted to see my reaction. Mm. And I had to watch it to even believe what the shaman told me I did. You know, I was in, I was on all fours howling and, and rolling almost like I had pain. But when you wake up from it, you feel amazing. Mm. So, uh, and what it is, is it's, it's curing your trauma. It's, it's letting your, your spirit shout, you know, yeah. it's letting all of that, that pain that was in there just go, go away. And Clearing the, the spiritual or emotional blockages. Yep. Yep. And uh, that was a, an incredible one. And it prepares you to die in the sense of you realize that really there is life after death. Mm. And it's not, oh, you're high. Of course, you're. it makes sense. Once you are there and you see the other side, you're like, oh, mm. okay. So I've been, uh, I've heard it said, and, and this just resonates to be true with me, is that like you just, you just called these things drugs, right? And then there's a lot of people who would call them medicines medicine, as well. Medicine, and and um, not to, I'm not trying to call you out at all. Oh. I'm just saying that uh, a lot of people do call them drugs, like you yeah. had just said. And the difference, uh, this is what I've heard, is the difference between a drug and a medicine is a drug helps you to dissociate. Basically, it, it it'll remove your problems from your uh, from your conscious mind, mm-hmm. right? Like if you temporarily, if, yeah. If you get waste, if you get drunk, right? Yeah. You, Alcohol is a drug. You use alcohol, you get drunk. You're not thinking about your problems. You're not worried about the mortgage or the credit card bill or the whatever, right? Yeah. Problems all go away. A medicine, like what you're explaining yeah. with DMT, is going to um, it, it's going to bring you further inside your mind and increase your consciousness. Now, you may not be thinking about the mortgage or the credit card bills or whatever during that experience, but it's going to help you to be more at one with yourself versus forgetting about those problems, injuring your body, and then you know coming back to reality and dealing with them later uh, through more dissociation with yourself. Yep. And that's kind of the difference. And so it's it's when it, you get when you get like blacked out drunk, you don't remember anything. And, and you know you had when you get coked out, you guys uh, the pe- people get all those crazy ideas and they all sound good in that moment. Then mm-hmm. the next day you look back and say, oh shit, that was a bad idea. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's the opposite with mm-hmm. these, these medicines. You know, they're, you, the next day you still think the same way because it opened a neuro pathway. Mm. Because it opens a neuro pathway, then you can, it's like uh, unblocking a street. Yeah. Once you go through it, you can go back and you'll yeah. remember a lot of these things. Yeah, it, it um it increases the neuroplasticity plasticity. in your brain. And so you're able to think of things in a different way yep. kind of forever afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's also the danger too, right? People who who over, who over use too much, like the guys back in the hippie days who yeah. had way too much acid and um, they injured their brains is because they opened up you know, pathways too wide or whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know the science behind it, but um, I think that it's just really important to note that these things that are considered drugs in our culture right now they, they've been used for thousands, thousands of years, of years. as medicines. Thousands of years. There, there's pottery with ayahuasca. Uh, where, where, where when they found the archaeologists found they tested it, and there's ayahuasca in there. For and, and these are seven thousand year old pots. 
That's incredible. So, so we know that it's been used for at least 7,000 years. Mm. And, uh, and the indigenous people still do it. And they give it to, to kids over there. Wow. It, because it's so, it's not going to do anything. DMT is uh, the, the essence of life. I mean, it's the... Our body makes DMT. Yeah, it makes DMT. Mm-hmm. You, and it makes it mostly when you're born and when you die. Yeah. Or it's the two times your blood will, your brain will be flooded with DMT. Or if you take it. Right? Or, it or if you take it. But I mean, naturally. Naturally, Where, where, yeah. where, where your body produces it. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. And so, and trauma is a big thing for me. Uh, I, I, when I opened my, my nonprofit, what I wanted to wasn't just to investigate, but I wanted to help people get rid of that trauma. Because I writing the book, I thought, how do we put that pointer more to the left? How do we make more people heal? If, if a majority already did, then how do we help this other, the minority here, to heal? Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, that I needed to do that I realized was our memories, scientifically, do you know how, why a memory sticks to your brain and why other, others don't? No. It's hormones. Hormones really? are the glue to memories. And the, the sad thing is the hormones of stress, uh, which are adrenaline and paradrenaline, for example. Cortisol. Cortisol. Those are like super glue. Mm. The, the, the hormones of, of happiness, dopamine, oxytocin, those are like Elmer's glue. Mm. So you need a lot stronger good memories for them to stick as much as one tiny bad memory will. That makes so much sense. I've never heard that said before. That's the science. That's the neuroscience behind memories. So I, I created a concept that I call positive trauma, which um, I, I wanted to heal. And the way for me to heal it was create memories that were so intense, so intensely good that we could call them positive trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started throwing parties because I, we would go to parties and like there was always, always something missing. You know, either people were getting too drunk or the, the, uh, the food was bad or the alcohol was bad or the music was bad. We wanted to make parties that were insanely good. And uh, uh, right after COVID, we started throwing these parties to raise funds and uh, parties that started at midnight and went till seven, eight, nine a.m. Wow. House music. Sounds like Brazilian parties. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. That's- totally Brazilian food. Good food. Mm-hmm. Good cocktails. You know, mocktails for those who don't want to get uh, uh, screwed up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and but it's music centered. It's not alcohol centered. Mm-hmm. It's bringing high quality musicians, high quality performers. Uh, one time I threw it in, at this warehouse that only had one bathroom, 400 people, <laughs> and uh, people were in line. And, and I knew that that was going to happen. So what did I do? I, I hired a magician to be in line and doing magic for people that were in the bathroom line. Nobody even cared mm-hmm. about having pee. Because it was yeah. so fun to watch the magician that when when it was their time, they they were letting other people go in front of them. Yeah, you know. So so it's it's about causing uh, the awe. I I always did everything very big, very uh, uh, fancy, very psychedelic, and people heal. People come to me after the shows and say, "Thank you for helping me heal." I had uh, uh, one day that I actually just wept in the on the dance floor. Was uh, this famous Dallas artist came in? And I said, man, welcome. I know you don't come out a lot, 
He goes, no, I want, I heard your story and I want to tell you mine, but I need some social lubricant first. And yeah. when I get ready, I'll, I'll tell you. And he danced all alone, all alone till 6 a.m. Big, tall, six foot tall or more black guy with a big fro, three piece suit, really elegant. And uh, everybody was coming up to him and he had a smile from, from cheek to cheek. Um, and he came out at the end of the night and said, Julio, um, this is the most fun I've had since uh, the last time I, I went out with my wife. And three years ago, she jumped from the 24th floor of our apartment. And then last year, I lost my mom. Oof. So thank you for doing this. I'm healing. Man, that's one of the most powerful things you can hear. Yeah. You know, people think that they're going out to just get effed up. But no, people go out to heal. Mm. And they don't know. They self-medicate with the wrong medicines, yeah. with the wrong, wrong drugs. Yes. Those drugs. Yes. So, so, and in the same night, a friend of ours had told me, hey, a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous uh, a woman, and uh, she gets a lot of attention, mm -hmm. um, and she said, could you do me a favor and keep guys away from me today? I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to dance. I said, say less. Mm -hmm. And all night long, I was, you know, telling people, don't, you know, no, she's, she's with me, stuff like that. End of the night, she comes to me and said, I'm going to live another day. Uh, I came here. I wanted to commit suicide because it was the first anniversary of the day that my husband committed suicide in front of my daughter. And I didn't think I was going to handle it. I came here. This was going to be my last night. I was going to go home and kill myself. I'm not going to anymore. I realized there are good people out there. I realized that I, I was healing. Mm. So I, I got hope again. It's like you're helping people go from, uh, mentioned those five with the sixth state, from the depressive state to what was the next Acceptance. One? Acceptance state. Yep. You're helping them make that yep. switch. Yep. Because it's at depression. It's, and depression and, and, and anger can walk together. People get stuck in, in those two. They get su stuck in that loop. And, mm -hmm. and, and the loop is in their head. Yeah. It's, it's their thoughts. It's, it's what they give way to their thoughts. You know, they allow their thoughts, their obsessive thoughts to come through and keep obsessing mm -hmm. them and making them upset. That's why they create cancer. Yeah, Cancer is cortisol. Cortisol is the, the hormone of cancer. The more cortisol you create, well, you're going to get cancer. Yeah. Um, I killed my, my predator. How so? He, he was a big guy. He lost 100 pounds as soon as I, I started doing the investigations on him and came out. Uh, he, he lost that weight, and then he died of pancreatic cancer. She's so stressed. He was so stressed. Yeah. So I killed him. And, uh, uh, and that's why you can't, you know, allowing yourself to get angry, allowing yourself to not heal, allowing yourself to create all those bad hormones, you're committing slow suicide. Mm -hmm. So if you got to love yourself enough to forgive to cut the toxic relationships in your life, to find your purpose, to really go out in a journey of self-discovery. What do you like? Do you like pets? Do you like, you know, little, uh, uh, to, uh, do you like uh, uh, old people? Go and, and, and serve. Go, you know, be a volunteer. You asked how to find your purpose? Go and expose yourself to different things. Mm. If you don't have something like my, me, I mean, my purpose was obvious because it was my trauma. Yeah. 
Um, but I also have a, a, a love for dogs. So I volunteer a lot with, with dog people uh, helping hoarders, mm. animal hoarders. We rescue, we, we, we have a, a whole nonprofit on that side because that's also part, not just of my purpose, but my passions. Yeah. I love to see people heal. I love to see animals heal. Mm-hmm. And, and I only discovered it because I put myself in that position. People sit down and, and they think that they're going to just come up with their, their passions, come up with their purpose without trying. Yeah. I didn't know I liked house music until I went to my first show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is house music. And, uh, um, you know, you start finding your passions and your purpose only if you put yourself out there. You're not going to yeah. do it from home. Well, it also makes sense. The third thing you said is people. And if you're engaging in your purpose and your passion, it's like if you want, if, if health is something really important for you and a mate, yeah. and you're looking for uh, a mate at the bar or, or at, um, McDonald's. It's like, it's probably not the best place to look. You should be looking maybe at the gym or the health food store. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it, it makes sense that you can be around the type of people that are going to help the, the non-toxic people, yeah. people that are, um, good for you and good for your purpose and for your passions. They're probably going to, that's where you're going to find them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's in those where places. You, that is, and that makes sense. That is. Cause what, like today I have great friends with all the people that do the rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, my some of my best friends come from my nonprofit, uh, helping expose victims. They are uh, they are survivors themselves, mm. and and uh, the the so you have to put you, yourself out there. Why is it that people go to church? You know, but but how about instead of going to church and listening to somebody just preach and preach and preach, how about you go to a soup kitchen? How about you go and do something for somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people that just sit thinking that the blessings are going to come if I'm here every Sunday that they forget to to really do something good for humanity. Yeah, take action. Take action. Yeah. Take action. You know, I, I and that goes to business owners, too. This is one of my pet peeves is people that, that say, oh, I'm an ecologist. I love this and that. And they don't put their money where their mouth is. I, in my bar, I was eliminating plastic. Completely eliminated plastic, mm-hmm. a single-use plastic. Mm-hmm. I because I I feel powerfully about that. That's a a, a really deterrent to the environment. So wh- how do you do that? It's I already consume very little pl- plastic at home. Well, guess what? I'm going to do it for my business. It's more expensive for me as a business owner to do that. I'll make a little bit less money. But where where is my you know wh- where are uh, how aligned am I with my purpose? Yeah. You know, my words and my actions. Mm-hmm. And you have to have, your actions have to speak a lot higher than your words. Absolutely. Sorry, I gave you a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually just switched. So we used to order boxes of these things. Yeah. Boxes and boxes. And we just switched to where we have, um, instead of that, we have a dispenser that has a glass container that mm. holds the water. Yeah. Five gallon containers. And we go through those instead of buying, I mean, we bought, We'd buy pallets, basically, of these Evian water bottles because it was mm-hmm. the type of water we really liked. And oh, yeah. It's uh, it's expensive to do it that way, and it's very wasteful. they got to ship that water from France to here. Now we get water that's based in, I think it's in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's spring water, and it uh, comes in glass containers, not plastic. And we're like, yes. Yeah, Checking all the boxes. Use our, our water bottles we all have every day. And so uh, not not to like, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> so great. But it's, it's those little things that it's like, I don't, for 
for the environment. I'm not doing it for the environment, for mm-hmm. being honest. I do it because I believe that plastics and microplastics in us oh, isn't, yeah. isn't healthy for us. And because I believe that um, I, I do believe in the waste factor, but it's more of a health factor for me. Mm-hmm. I want good, clean, like pure water. I don't want I don't want all the chemicals that get added to it in the no- normal water system. I, want, I agree. I want to put good, good things in my body, just like you were saying earlier yep. with the food. I want good food, good water, good sleep. Yep. Those yep. three things, I mean, people who are struggling out there, if you do those three things, good food, good water, good sleep, and good exercise, you do yeah. those four things, and if you're struggling with a lot of different things in life, those four things on a daily basis for 30 days, in particular, if you add in cutting out alcohol during that time. And uh, sugar. And sugar. Well, if you can do all that, you're going to notice a massive dif- difference in your life. Uh, if you if you can live that way for 30 days and just try it, you don't have to take my word for it, but uh, I've experienced it, and I know lots of other people who have as well. Those types of changes can really change your life. Okay. So I want to circle back over to something else we were talking about earlier. Um, you came up with a, a system for recognizing these predators, right? Yep. So um, tell me about that system and, and how you developed it and, and what it does and how it works, if you will. Well, I stitched different protocols together. Um, like, for example, Dr. Ekman, he was the, the guy who, who, uh, first, who, who wrote the first uh, atlas of the human face and how, that, um, how, that, uh, uh, how to read that atlas, that map. Mm-hmm. So he mapped all the muscles in the human face and saw that there that when people lied, you had different facial microexpressions, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he uh, what he did was collected enough data to prove that those things happen, and that if you find in three different parts of the uh, the body, uh, three different react uh, kinds of reactions, in in five uh, five uh, red flags in seven seconds, that person is lying. Okay. So if they, uh, uh, if they, for example, if you ask them, um, oh, there's one example that we study actually that is one of the best examples. We all we study is is videos of cases and of interviews of people that were found out to be lying later. So one of the most famous ones was Bill Clinton when he was asked uh, if he had had sex with Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. He goes. I did not have sex with that woman. Mm-hmm. Pointing the finger is a red flag. Really? Because you're trying to make that person believe in you. It's like you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people have that as a tick. Yeah. So then, then you have to, that's why you, you need five, five. different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing was, so he got one there, the verbal distancing, how slow he spoke. No verbal that that's also one, but the verbal distancing is when you're, you get asked if uh, a yes or no question and you can't answer it with a yes or no, you distance yourself from the, the truth in order for your brain to have time to respond. So verbal distancing is very, very, uh, uh, common. Like, like before we were recording, I asked you, are you a predator? You said no, mm-hmm. real fast. You shook your head this way, and you said no, and your and your no was low, so your voice went down. That's the other thing. Voices go up when they're lying. Mm. People project more when they're lying. You, when 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 uh, the projection is what to find a lie. Really, you're not looking for the lie. You first try to find the baseline. 
How does that person speak when they're talking the truth? That's why the cops ask your name 10 times. That's why they keep asking the same question over and over because they want to remember what your baseline is. So like, for example, what's your name? Lance Wakefield. Lance Wakefield. Now I know that because of your accent, because of how you speak, your your first syllable, you may go up. Mm. And that's normal to you. So I'll ask a bunch of questions to get truths out of you to see if it's a, every time you start a sentence, if you start going high or yeah. it's because it's a vowel a lot of times and, and your inflection, what is your natural inflection? And then when I get your baseline of your natural inflection, then I look for anything that's different than that. And I do it two ways. One is listening, but the other is looking too, because we put it in a little software mm-hmm. and we can see, we then compare uh, uh, different sound waves and see how those sound waves go. So that's fascinating. And that's, that's a separate uh, uh, protocol that I stitched into mine. So I, what I did is I got Dr. Ekman, I got this doctor, that doctor. Uh, uh, I got five different uh, protocols at least, stitched them all together. And then I realized, okay, now I can really tell a liar. So I start by interviewing the victim. If the, and I know if the victim is lying or not. Mm. And then once I inter- interview the first victim... I can look for more victims because now you already know a little bit of the modus operandi at that point. I still haven't made any conclusions, but I, I already have a, a theory, a hypothesis. And then when I find the second victim, I compare the modus operandi. And it's usually the exact same thing. I have victims that never met each other. I didn't meet most of the victims uh, from my case. Most of them from, were from the last 20 years. I was here in America. Yeah. So, so, and we all had the same story. So, so then I, after interviewing the victim, um, I look for more victims. My, my smallest case till to date was 10 victims. My biggest 3000. Wow. So I go for the big guys. Yeah. Cause those are the easiest. Cause I know at this point I'm going to find a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of victims really fast. Uh, so when I, when I start then procuring these victims and one victim usually has access to another one, or what we do is we do YouTube videos and then throw it. On, on the throw it online, make it viralize, and you'll find victims. Victims will contact you from YouTube, from Facebook, from Instagram. I've gotten victims from everywhere, and I'll publish my phone number on there, my WhatsApp. Yeah. So they'll contact me directly. Mm-hmm. I get at least today still, even though I, I've slowed down a little bit now to write the books and everything, uh, I, I still get at least one victim a month from a different case. Wow. And, and when I'm really active online... Uh, then I'll get several a week, several mm. a week. So I, uh, then after interviewing the victims and having enough of them, I start looking for, uh, I follow the money. I look for the money trail. I look for, for uh, a fraud for other things. Cause I know that this is already cooked. Yeah. So, uh, after I find a little bit of the money trail, then I take it to the media and I write a story on it and we publish it in the big media. At this point, they're they are they're already my enemies. You know, they're they're I'm not calling them. I'm calling them out. I'm not doing a journalistic report in uh, uh, in the sense of uh, uh, it's not like I'm on on TV. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, and I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to say the alleged abuser mm-hmm. like they have to on TV. I'm going to say this abuser because I've already interviewed ten victims and I know they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I already know their modus operandi. Then I design their criminal profile. Now I know. 
after 10 victims there, I already know what his modus operandi is and how they're acting. So I already know how to look for no, new victims, old victims, people. Uh, it's it's easier to find the older victims because then they're already wanting to talk a lot of times. And when you put it in a powerful media, the then they'll call and they'll call the media itself. So you're trying to understand a liar, but you're not doing it necessarily to catch someone lying. You're doing it to verify that someone's telling you the truth. Yes. But I've That's caught liars. Lie. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because it, it also will help you, like, if you interview a victim, and they're not a victim, yep. and they're lying about it, you're not going to waste your time. You yep. identify that they're lying, move on, look for other victims from other predators, basically. And I'm writing a new protocol uh, uh, on uh, the uh, Cluster B personality disorder, which is a female version of the dark triad. It's psychopathic women. It's go on. Yeah, it, it's women that will do things like uh, uh, like falsely accuse you of something terrible. Mm -hmm. And all of those part of the, the 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 cluster is it's a cluster of mental disorders. One of them is borderline personality disorder. Really? Yes. The other one, narcissism. So, you know that. You get a you get a narcissist. You you see these things happening. The person's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. They're a liar, compulsive liar, and they are they have borderline personality disorder because they can live their their lies yes. as if it were truth. That's what I was actually going to ask earlier because when people are have a mental disorder of some sort, I've seen people who are lying mm -hmm. and. I can't tell a liar as well as you can, but wow, like they, they've they've lied well enough to convince a jury. Let's oh just yeah, say oh that. yeah, oh yeah. Like many expert liars, and I feel like it's it, the reason they can lie so well is because they don't even know they're lying anymore. Mm -hmm. How how does that happen? And like, is that a part of how does that link in with borderline personality, or does it? Or it does. Just it does. It? it does. It does. That's exactly what borderline is. They're in the borderline of truth and and and, and fiction. They live in that borderline, and and they're just normal enough to for people to believe them, to believe their their lies because they're borderline. Uh huh. If they were schizophrenic, yeah, people wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But it's almost schizophrenic. Yeah, it, it's it's to a point where they believe they create these stories in their heads, and they repeat it so much they start believing in it. Yeah. It's kind of like a sociopath. They are. Yes. They okay. are sociopaths. Yeah. I, I, I actually read a fascinating book. It's called The Sociopath Next Door. And in it, it says that I think it's one in 25. So four out of every hundred Americans is sociopath. So it's well, like we run across them regularly and they're very hard to identify. Well, social, uh, uh, sociopathy is, it means, you know, a, a disease of the psyche. Mm -hmm. So they may be. Uh, uh, and they may have less empathy, but they're not psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. necessarily. It's, they're, they're, it's like a step below. It's a, yeah. Every psychopath is a sociopath, mm -hmm. but not every uh, sociopath becomes a psychopath. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and they are. Uh, but yeah, they're they're plentiful out there. Somebody who's willing to lie over and over and over like that. You know, uh, a lot of people that have borderline are great people. They're not always liars. 
You know, they just live uh, uh, with borderline. You could just live a depression because you you keep projecting things that are going to happen in your future, and you're already projecting or uh, and suffering over it. So mm-hmm. not every uh, I want to make this very clear. Not every borderline person is you know uh, mean yeah. or evil. They are just they're mean to themselves a lot of times. And the other, the other part of the cluster B, the last part, the fourth part, is uh, um, Munchausen syndrome. I don't know what that is. Munchausen's is when the person needs attention at any cost, and a lot of times they'll use health as a reason for attention. So you see a lot of people that, oh my God, I, you know, uh, they have a little flu and they're dying. Yeah. Or they're, uh, because as a child, that was the only way that they found attention was mm-hmm. when they were sick. So they discover, they, they start doing it, but then they ramp it up. And then Munchausen's, they actually use it uh, uh, for attention or, or even money. One of the most famous ca- cases of Munchausen's was uh, Tanya Head. Uh, she was, there, there are a lot of different, uh, documentaries on her. 9-11, the woman who wasn't there is one of them. Um, she said that she was one of the only 19 survivors, uh, uh, from the World Trade Center, uh, that were above the, the point of impact. Yeah. She became the leader of the, the association for the survivors. She was on Oprah. She was on all these, these, uh, channels and she uh, even became a tour guide there and paid for and she sold books and then one day she's on tv and uh she was talking about her fiance who had also died in world trade center and shows his picture fiance's mother sees that says i don't even know this lady so she calls the tv station tv station goes oh interesting let's check where she was then on that day she was in spain what she was in spain she wasn't even in the country she wasn't even in the country there's another one, uh, uh, Rose, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, uh, something Rose. She was, uh, her mom, this was a really interesting case of uh, uh, Munchausen's by proxy, where Munchausen's by proxy is they'll throw it on their child, for example. There was a case just now, not too long ago, where the mother was getting exploratory surger- surgeries on the son. And, and she would mm, heard say that he had cancer and that, so she could do GoFundMe campaigns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was arrested. Uh, the, this the other boy one. was totally healthy, right? To- totally healthy. Yeah. Totally healthy. Nothing wrong she, with them. No. But, but he had, he'd been in the hospital like his whole life, right? Entire yeah. life. And then, uh, uh, geez, I forget the first name, but uh, uh, this, the, this is another one on, if you pull on Netflix Munchausen's, you'll, you'll see. Uh, this girl, her mother put this on her and started doing, you know, she would shave her head to say she had cancer. She put her in a wheelchair and she could not walk outside. And she, she talked as if she were, she was six years old her entire life because her mom told her that that's how you, she had to talk. And then one day, uh, uh, she goes online and, and, uh, 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 hidden from her mom finds a little boyfriend online and the boyfriend starts saying, Hey, this is not normal. You, your your mother is is abusing you. Go and kill her, and she did. Oof, that's a that escalated faster. Yeah, yeah. She killed her mother, and now she's in in uh, she's in prison. But now she is healing from from that, and uh, I I completely understand why. I mean, for thirty one years, her mother yeah made her suffer, get surgeries that she didn't need, mm. which is, is something that like I question these doctors. 
you know, who are the doctors that are doing this? Like yeah. that, that will let themselves be pushed to do exploratory surgery on a child just because a, a woman, a, a mother wants it uh-huh. and, and convinces them to yeah. do it. So, uh, uh, but that's Munchausen's. And uh, you see a lot of that in, in these cases too, where, where they, everything becomes a real, or I've seen it in the health industry, a kind of opposite where people start saying that they had cancer and that they healed themselves through, from cancer with these vitamins that I'm mm. selling now. Mm-hmm. They never had cancer. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they had a little thyroid disturbance. It became cancer. Yeah. They'll lie about their medical history to gain attention. Mm-hmm. And a lot of miracle, uh, a lot of miracles, people who, oh, you know, I'm going to, uh, I've got cancer and they start getting some money from church or help and attention and, but cancer progresses if you don't treat it and they're not going to get chemo. So what's their, their way out from the lie when it gets too big? God healed me. Yeah. So, so this is a, this is a, a disorder that normally occurs in women. Women. Just so, like just like the dark triad occurs in men. Mm. What so can you define like what is the dark triad exactly? The dark triad is they are narcissistic. Mm-hmm. They are machiavellical. In other words, they again we go back to the no priest becomes a pedophile. Beca- pedophiles become priests. They choose a profession that's going to give them that access. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and l- like no priest simply stumbles onto an altar boy. Yeah. And oops, you know, I raped you. Mm-hmm. No, you you plan the whole thing. It's not an opportunity thing. It's planned. They yeah. put them in that position. So that's uh, make a make a vehicle. And then the the third is they have to pass fifteen of the twenty questions of hair. So Dr. Robert Hare is the guy who developed the the twenty questions of hair. And uh, it, and it, what it is is twenty questions that show you that yeah you're a psychopath. If you pass fifteen of those. You're 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 a psychopath, and all of us will have a couple of them. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of us have already questioned ourselves. I wonder if I'm a psychopath if I have these these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, the question that the fact that you 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 questioned it shows me you're not. Yes. You know. So uh, uh, and and a lot of people with borderline question th- themselves, which is sad because it's just projections of your brain. You you haven't you haven't done it. You know, you don't have these victims. Mm-hmm. These guys all have multiple victims. And by by uh, uh, definition on the dark triad, they're always going to have multiple victims. And they're always going to have financial fraud, too. So that's why I always follow the money. Okay, that makes so much sense now. Yeah, yeah I always follow the money because I know if they are a dark triad psychopath, it is going to be there, and I am going to find it. So, so then... What I when I get the financial, I usually throw the the sexual on online and to the media to get them. If if I if I'm not finding too much financial, or it's shaking it's, the tree, I shake the tree. Yeah, and then they focus so much on the the problem of the the abuse that they forget to to cover their 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 the arrears finance, yeah. on the finance, mm-hmm. and then we find them. We find them. And, awesome. and and so I got sad. like my abuser. He could only get six months to two years in prison for the sex abuse. Which is crazy. Yeah, it, it's nothing. That's terrible. But he would get up to fifteen for the financial fraud. That's backwards. But I don't hey, care how they how go. Them, right. I just care that yeah. they go. Yeah. So so I today I follow the money a lot more, 
And and I in the beginning I would waste a lot of time just just doing the the sexual side and I wasn't going anywhere with it because the the media was scared of of publishing stuff like this. Yeah. When I started finding the financial with it, they were like, oh okay, this is interesting. Yeah. And uh, I have a hundred percent indictment rate. I have never ever ever made a false claim. That's awesome. I every single time I make a claim, I get them indicted. I love that. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. I appreciate the conversation. This is, I want to talk to you more after this because <laughs> this has just been, uh, been fascinating, but thank you so much. I appreciate I you. I appreciate me. the work that you're doing and I wish you the best and most success possible. Where can people come into contact with you, find out more about you? Well, Instagram is a, gr a great way. Uh, follow me on living La Vida my way. Okay. Living La Vida my way or on Facebook, uh, I'm redoing my, my website now and doing everything in English because my, all my work has been in Portuguese so far. Okay. Uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm creating an American site and, uh, I'll soon be on Patreon. Great. Kevin will link all that in the show notes for us. Cool. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate the conversation. Appreciate today. it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. <laughs>